welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. This morning we are continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit that we've called Not a Coconut. The fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut, it's not a banana. If you know that song from the 90s, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience. And uh, we looked last week at what I would consider to be the least desired fruit of the Spirit, right? Nobody wants patience. Nobody wants to talk about patience. Uh, But pressure produces patience. It gives us the ability to persevere. We looked at the story of Joseph. He had to be patient in his life. He had to persevere through some challenges. And uh, we know that God has the best plans, right? His, His plans are his best for our lives. But God's best... His plans, they take patience a lot of times. And so we're going to continue through the different fruit of the Spirit. And if you've been here the whole, the whole series, great. If you've missed one or two or this is your very first Sunday, you can go on the podcast, check out the past few weeks on the fruit of the Spirit. And we have, I believe, five more, including today. There might be some weeks that we pair some of them together. Last week, I thought we were going to pair patience and kindness together. But as I was writing, I was like... I think we can just stay in patience for the day. I think that's enough content for one day before we move on to kindness. So today we move on to the fruit of kindness. The message this morning is entitled, Be Kind, Rewind. Be Kind, Rewind. Does anybody know where that came from? Only the real ones know where that came from. That, was, uh, that came from Blockbuster. You probably never heard of that company before. Uh, there was these things called VHS tapes. Let me explain what those were. Um, you, if you wanted to watch a movie back in the day, you couldn't just click Netflix and start streaming a show. All right. Uh, this is before Blu-ray, DVD, or HD DVD, which lasted for two months or whatever it was. Um, you had these big old blocks called VHS tapes that you'd stick into the VCR to play a movie. And after the movie, you had to rewind the movie before you could watch it again. You couldn't hop to different chapters like a DVD. You couldn't just start it over automatically. No, you, some of us even had those uh, rewinder VHS, right, that you put it in and it would rewind itself. You had those if it was too much strain on your VCR to rewind the whole thing. So Blockbuster and the Family Video and all those places, they would stick a, uh, put a sticker on the VHS tape that said, Be kind, rewind. Meaning at the end of your movie night on a Friday night, before you send it back to us, could you put it in and rewind it so the next person, when they get it, they don't have to start their movie nights by rewinding the whole thing in order to play it. Be kind and rewind. Today we're going to look at how we can grow the fruit of kindness in our life. And Paul, Paul talks about kindness in Ephesians. He's instructing the church of Ephesus And he says this, these two verses, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. He said, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So Paul says, "Don't, don't hold on to bitterness Don't remain angry at people. Don't gossip. Don't talk bad about them. Don't do any of those things. Instead, be kind. Be empathetic. Be compassionate towards people. Be understanding and forgive one another. Why? Because God, through Christ, forgave you. We have received kindness. Therefore, we should extend kindness. 
We have received mercy, therefore we should extend mercy. We have received forgiveness, therefore we should extend forgiveness. And notice Paul, he lists kindness out first. It says, be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. I think he's saying you can't forgive one another if you aren't first kind to them. You know what he's saying? He's saying the kindness is the starting point in order to remove anger. To remove bitterness, you have to first start with kindness, and that will lead you to a path towards forgiveness. I hope we know that kindness is important, but why is it important? Because kindness leads us to forgiving others just as God has forgiven us. So we're following the model of what God has shown in our life. All right, that's the introduction. I've got about three or four hours of content here, so we're going to get into the message this morning. Just kidding, just kidding. I'm going to be kind to you, and uh, we're going to go into the story in the Old Testament, story of kindness between David and Mephibosheth. Somebody say Mephibosheth. Bless you. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. I don't know why his father and mother named him that. I don't know why they didn't love him enough to give him a normal name to say, but we're looking at the story of David and Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel. And real quickly, I just want to give a plug for my two favorite, maybe, maybe two favorite books. They're one of my 66 favorite books of the Bible. Um, First and 2 Samuel are one of my favorites for a reason. And you're going to think this is weird, maybe. They are incredibly, to me, they are incredibly bingeable. Once I start reading in First and Second Samuel, I just want to keep going. Because I'm really into like these kings, the, the rise and the fall of these empires and these wars that happen. And all these like, wait, what happened next? What happened next? I have a little bit of a pipe dream. If I could do anything in my life later in life, I would love to write a TV show or a movie based on the rise and fall of these kings and the wars because it's so cool. And, and, and to me, it's a little gory. It's a little violent in there. It might be rated R because of the violence that happens in First and Second Samuel. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you haven't read First and Second Samuel and you need to check it out. All right, that's my plug. We know that Saul was the very first king of Israel. And unfortunately, we also know that he did not follow in being obedient to God's commands. So, so as king, God eventually takes away the kingdom from Saul and gives it to David. So we have David, and then we have Saul's son, Jonathan. And while Saul did not like David, Saul's son, Jonathan, and David, they became very close. They were connected with a strong bond. In fact, Jonathan did everything he could to protect David from his dad, from his father, Saul. And David, he was doing everything he could. If you read the story, he was not trying to sabotage King Saul. He was not trying to make him look bad. He was trying to do everything he could to help King Saul succeed. He was fighting battles that King Saul asked of him. He was doing everything he could, but yet Saul wanted him killed because he was taking away the spotlight from his life. And so eventually, in 2 Samuel 9, um, that's where we're going to pick up the story today. Right before this, Saul and Jonathan, they have died in battle. They have passed away, and now the kingdom's in a bit of turmoil as they're trying to stabilize, and eventually David rises to power. 
In 2 Samuel 8, it talks about him taking the reign of Israel. He's beginning to set up his administration in Israel. And then this is where we're going to look in 2 Samuel chapter 9. We've got it on the screen. You can follow along if you've got your Bible. The first four verses, let's read these together. It says, And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. And the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Emil at Lo-Devar. So King David, he goes on a search for the house of Saul, looking for anyone that he may show kindness to them. Kindness. And I, I think this is a sign of good leadership right here. That King David, one of the very first decisions that he makes as king. If you go back in chapter 5, he becomes anointed as king. It says at the end of chapter 8, it says, David administered justice and equity to all his people. David reigned over all of Israel. And then he begins to set up basically his, his cabinet, if you will, for his administration. And the very next thing after that is this chapter, David is asking if there's anyone from the house of Saul that he can show kindness to them. My first point this morning, very quickly, and this goes out to, to all leaders, anyone, if you lead any group of people at work, uh, you, you're the, running the organization, wherever you're at an organization in leadership, number one, you can never be too big to show kindness. You are never too big to show kindness, people. You never outgrow showing kindness. I don't know if you've heard the phrase um, that pertains to serving and leadership. You, you might have heard, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is above you. Have you heard that before? Because that's important for us to know. We know that Jesus Christ, he is the leader of the church. He is the head of the church. And he, when he came to earth, he came as a servant leader. He came to serve people. So service is not a, below us. I want to take that phrase and I want to change it for this. If kindness is beneath you, then leadership is above you. If you're too busy to be kind to people, I'm sorry, you may want to take a seat because someone else should be leading. Your workers will remember you more for how you treated them than your business acumen. The people in your areas, they'll remember more the kindness that you show them than your business wisdom. I was reading an article uh, by a man named Lucas Poles, and he's the CEO of a large venture capitalist firm. And he talks about his criteria for investing in companies. And he says when he first meets them, and they're rude and they're harsh, it is automatically a turnoff for him. He, he says this in the article, he says, even if I'm not investing in you, there's little chance that I'll want to do business with you in the future. You have shown me in that tiny interaction the person you really are. Some of the best advice that I've heard is when evaluating someone, 
Don't look at how someone treats their superiors. Look at how they treat the people that are beneath them. Just because someone is sweeping floors does not mean they do not have value, nor should they be treated any different than the CEO. Kindness throughout all the spectrum of leadership, every level of an organization, every level of your family and your friends. And we probably all heard stories of celebrities or actors or athletes that, you know, maybe you saw on social media, or they, they are harsh to someone. They, they act entitled. Unfortunately, that can happen. There are also great stories of people with that level, with, with that platform that use it for kindness. I remember every year I'd hear the story of, of an athlete, Andre Johnson. He was a receiver for Houston back in the day. And he would, every year, around a little bit before Christmas, he would take a group of about a dozen children from Child Protective Services in Houston, take them to a kid's store, a toy store, and let them go and buy whatever they wanted for Christmas. Every year, the, the receipt, I think, would be around $20,000 that Andre would spend on these kids to show kindness to them. I hope for every terrible story we hear, we can hear some good stories of kindness from people. Because if you claim to be a Christ follower... And then you talk to people like they don't matter. If you treat people like they don't matter, you drive like they don't matter. You treat a nurse or a waiter or a teacher like they don't matter. What's that supposed to say about you if you're supposed to have Jesus living on the inside of you? Because I can guarantee you when Jesus lived on this earth from the records we have in the gospels, there's not one person that he treated like they didn't matter when he was on earth. He stopped for everyone that he could. No one was too small or too big for the kindness of God. You are never too busy. You are never too important to show kindness. One of the first things that David does as a leader of all Israel, he seeks to show kindness. And not only does he as a leader seek to show kindness, he is seeking out those who should have been considered a threat and an enemy to him. Yet it says that he wants to show them kindness. Now there is one spot where it says to show kindness for the sake of Jonathan. That is true. He was close to Jonathan, Saul's son, right? But other areas it says anyone seeking to show kindness to anyone of the house of Saul. You have to understand what that means, the significance in those days to show kindness to someone that was from a previous dynasty. You see, when the dynasty would change, when one family would lose their ability to, to lead and have power and another one was rising up, those were not buddy buddies. Those that were rising to power looked to kill anyone from that family so that they would have no claim to the throne. It was not a hand, handshake, handoff, pass off of, of leadership. No, it was like, I want you dead, you're gone. I'm continuing now to rise to, to power and fame. Any descendants who had a rightful claim to the throne, would be executed. David should be seeking the house of Saul, but not to show kindness to them, to wipe them out. In fact, in verse 3, if you look at it, Ziba says to King David, there is a son of Jonathan. The son of Jonathan, this is Mephibosheth, hasn't said his name yet, but Mephibosheth is crippled in his feet because when he was younger, when Mephibosheth was five years old, 
the Philistines won a victory over the Israelites. And the Philistines began to, to head towards the capital of Israel to take it over and to kill anyone of the house of Saul. The Israelites hear about this and they flee. They know what they have to do. They have to get away before they're killed. And in that escape, the nurse picks up Mephibosheth to carry him on to get out of there. Mephibosheth falls in the hurry and he breaks his feet. He's now lame for the rest of his days. So that gives you the backstory of Mephibosheth, but it also shows the significance. Anytime there was a change in dynasty, it would typically mean the end of anyone's life that's attached to that dynasty. But yet David begins to hunt down people from the family of Saul, not to end their life, but to show them kindness. And notice in those first four verses, he says the word kindness two times. The second time, he said, is there not someone from the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? He specifically says the kindness of God. To me, that tells me the motivation for David's desire to show kindness. I believe he is saying, God has shown me kindness God has protected me. He has given me favor. He has delivered me from my enemies. God's been so good and kind to me that I need to pass on that kindness to someone else. Our second point on kindness this morning, kindness is meant to be contagious. Kindness is meant to continue on. The kindness that David received wasn't supposed to end with David the kindness that you receive should not end with you. We should extend the kindness of God to others. It's got to be shared with our world. You've heard the concept of paying it forward, right? No one? Okay, I'll explain it to you. Paying it forward means, give an example of a restaurant. If, if you're through the drive-thru window and you're paying for your meal and you said, you know what, let me pay for the meal behind me. And then the next person drives up and they say, I'm sorry, sir, they actually paid for your meal, that car that just left. They said, wow, well, that was really kind of them. I guess I could pay for the person behind me, and I will pay it forward. Does everybody know what it is? You knew what it meant before. You just nod your head. Pay it forward. So I was reading a story before. In December of 2020, in Brainerd, Minnesota, there was a Dairy Queen. And one day on a Thursday, one person decided, I'm going to pay it forward. I'm going to show kindness. And the manager that said that, you know, that's great, and maybe we'll see this get paid for a couple times, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20, that would be exciting, 20 times. And throughout the day Thursday, it kept going and going. The person would pay for the person behind them, and so on and so forth. I said, wow, this is crazy. All day Thursday. It'll, you know, I'll probably end here at the end of the day on Thursday. But as they're closing, they're the last person that comes through the drive-thru, they say, you know what, here's a $10 bill for whoever starts next, the next day, I'm paying it forward for them. So Friday, it continues to happen. All day Friday, no end and stop. You think, okay, it's going to end by the end of Friday, right? Friday night, someone leaves $10 for the next person to head on Saturday. It continues on through Saturday, and it stops there in the afternoon. And, and I don't know who's the, you always wonder, like, who's the person that finally said, no, you know what, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to be the last one. We're going to be kind and expect, you know, assume the best. They didn't have enough money to do it. There's a reason why they didn't do it. But at the end of it, from Thursday to Saturday, 900 people 
kept paying it forward over and over again. And this is in the middle of prosperity in America? No, I said December of 2020. If you remember back time, those were rough times. The, the pandemic was fairly new at that point still. Interesting thing to me is I've, I've noticed crisis, a crisis magnifies kindness. Because we're thinking, oh, I'm in a crisis mode. I got to be thinking all about myself. I got to get all the toilet paper I can possibly get on the shelves to protect myself. I'm not thinking about anybody else. But when we see kindness in the middle of crisis, that is something unusual. That's something that's godly, a fruit of the spirit of kindness growing in us. And think about kindness being contagious. That person who did that at Dairy Queen started that, paying it forward. He or she, they had no idea what they were starting. They had no idea that they would affect 900 people and it would become a national news story. But the kindness of one person, of one person affected 900 in a Dairy Queen. The kindness of one person became a news story that thousands of people would hear about. Kindness is meant to be contagious. That is the power of the fruit of kindness in your life that is supposed to set off a chain reaction. The kindness that you show in your life to your coworker, when you compliment them on their work or you encourage them, or maybe you pay for their meal sometime, that kindness is supposed to be contagious. And maybe, just maybe, it'll give you an opportunity to witness to them to why you are kind. Say, Dan, why are you always so kind? Well, it's, it's really not me. It's just the story of what Jesus has done for me, and I can't help but be thankful for what he's done in my life, and I just want to show that kindness that God has shown me in my life. I want to extend that to the world around me. The kindness of God is meant to be contagious. David was saying that the kindness that God has shown me, I'm going to share it with the family of Saul. And that moment where David shows kindness to Mephibosheth, that would continue on kindness and loyalty and devotion down the road in their relationship. Mephibosheth would not forget this moment of kindness. In fact, years later, we're not going to look at it in Scripture. You can look in your own time. I think it's 1 Samuel 19 or 21. So, uh, David's dynasty is struggling. It's his son Absalom is trying to take away the throne from him. And this is a time where different people are choosing sides and, and changing loyalty. And David is away from home. He, he's hiding out. He's trying to protect himself because those on Absalom's side are trying to kill him. And this man Ziba comes back to him. It says Ziba was a servant of the house of Paul. Really, he was kind of um, like a steward of the estate of Saul's belongings and land. And David says, Ziba, what are you doing here? And where's Mephibosheth at? Ziba says to him, Mephibosheth has actually changed his loyalty. He says that, that I wish the house, the, the whole, um, the dynasty would stay in the household of Saul, that he would be in charge again. David's hurt by this. All the kindness that David has shown Mephibosheth, and now he's changed his loyalty. And David says, okay, well, I guess I'll give all the house, all the land will now go to you, Ziba, not Mephibosheth. Ziba leaves and time passes on. A few chapters later, if you look at the story, David returns home to his capital. The first person that he sees on the ground 
has not kept himself up, has not cut his hair, trimmed his toenails, has not done anything. He has been in anguish, anxiously waiting for David to come home. It's Mephibosheth. And David says, Mephibosheth, what are you doing here? I was told that you actually changed your loyalty. Mephibosheth said, no, Ziba lied to you. I've been sitting here waiting for you to come home. I've been waiting the kindness that you've shown me. I, I wanted you to be safe. I want you to be my king. And David realizes a big mistake that he's made. He's like, I believe Ziba. I, I gave him all of the land that belonged to you. I can, I can probably switch. I can probably make it half to Ziba and half to you. Mephibosheth says, no, I don't, I don't care about the land. I'm not here because of the land that you've given me. Let Ziba have it all. I'm just glad that you're back home and you're back safe. It's a pretty incredible story of the kindness that initiated by David that would start a year, years-long, lifelong friendship and the kindness between David and Mephibosheth. The kindness that David first showed Mephibosheth at the beginning of his reign has now carried on and caused Mephibosheth to be loyal to David in difficult times. Let's go back to the chapter, chapter 9. Let's read the next three verses, 5, 6, and 7. It says, Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Mekur, the son of Emil at Lodavar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, fell on his face, and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. King David, he, he sends for Mephibosheth at the beginning of this. Imagine Mephibosheth, how many times I'm going to say that today? There's a lot of times saying Mephibosheth. Imagine being Mephibosheth hiding out, afraid of what could happen to him. All of a sudden, he hears a, a knock on the door from the officials of King David. They say, come with us. So when he goes before King David, he, he bows down. He says, I'm your servant, whatever you want, whatever you need. And that's why David starts by saying, do not fear. You don't have to be afraid. I didn't bring you here to kill you. I brought you here to show you kindness. And then he says, I brought you here to restore. To restore. Our last point on kindness. Kindness seeks restoration not revenge. David did not seek revenge. He did not hold Mephibosheth accountable for the sins of his grandfather Saul. All these years that David had to hide from Saul, all these years where David had done nothing wrong and yet he was hiding from Saul, David did not seek revenge for how Saul and that family had treated him. No, he chose kindness and the desire to restore. It's easy to show kindness to our friends. It's easy to show kindness to a stranger. Can you show kindness to someone that has hurt you? Someone that's belittled you? Talked down to you? Kindness here, the kindness of God says, I desire more 
to restore our relationship than to retaliate for what has happened in the past. Kindness says, I'd rather see us restart things here than desire for you to repay me for how you treated me in the past. We are called to be like David and to seek to bless our enemies with kindness, to bless those who are poor and weak, to bless those who don't deserve it, to bless those for the sake of someone else. God sees you in your attempt to restore and to restart and to repair relationships. We should be willing to forgive and seek restoration because it's God's desire to restore and he modeled it for us. Let's look at the last passage of scripture here, Romans chapter two. Let's read these first four verses together. It says, therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. I want to break this down for you as we close. Paul is talking about this tendency of how the Jews and the Gentiles are looking at sin. The Jews are judging sin, judging the sinners. The Gentiles are excusing the sin, excusing the sinners. Both are the wrong way to look at it. He says, we, we don't want to focus on judging people, right? That, that's not what God has called us to do. We are not the judge. He is the judge. He calls us simply to point people to Jesus and say, no, there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a way for repentance from your sins. And you cannot tell me that this book from ages in the past is not relevant for us today. Because are we not facing the same issues today that they were facing in the book of Romans and Paul back then? Our culture today is trying to excuse sin. Oh, that's just how you were made. You know, you do what's best for you. You were born this way. You can't be expected. Yes, we're all born with a tendency to sin. We are all in need of a Savior to change us from the inside out. Anybody said you're perfect the way you are? You're not, and that's okay. I'm not either. We all need to repent and seek forgiveness. And on the other side of the spectrum, we have people that are sinning themselves and ignoring their sin and judging other people for what they're doing. We have people that, that have forgotten the Bible says all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. So who are we to judge one another? We have to be careful as Christians to not live life from this feeling of superiority because it's not about us. It's not through anything that we have done. We don't deserve to be forgiven. It is only through the kindness of God. It is the kindness of God that will lead us to repentance. Paul says it's the riches of his kindness, the riches of his forbearance and his patience. 
I think that means his kindness towards us for our past sins. The forbearance of God in our present sins. And I think it means that God is patient with us, knowing that in the future we are also going to make mistakes. We're also going to sin. And yet God says, through all of that, I know all of those things. And yet my kindness will lead you to repentance. I thought this put God's kindness in a whole new light, that he would be so good and so kind that he knows everything about your life. He knows everything you've done in the past, everything you're struggling with now, everything you'll do in the future, and yet he still extends his kindness to you and me. Aren't you thankful for the kindness of our God, that he would be willing to, in our moments of struggle, in our moments of weakness, say, I'm still kind to you, Matt. I'm still kind to you, son and daughter. Clap if you're thankful for the kindness of God, because it's through that kindness we have repentance. It's not anything that we've done. It's not based on our merits. The kindness of God is what leads us to repentance, leads us back to him. Worship team, you can come join me as we close. Our world is in need of kindness. There is, there is a kindness deficit in our world. I was watching a, a talk on empathy recently from uh, the CEO of Society for Human Resource Management. Ironically, one time, long time ago, he was also the VP of Human Resources at Blockbuster long time ago. And he said he's been noticing something in our workplaces. He's been noticing that people come into work more apathetic, less caring about the workers around them. He said he's witnessed this change, this, this rise of apathy in the workplace this empathy deficit. He says, people are engaging more in debates instead of discussions. People are being unwilling to listen to diverse opinions and viewpoints. And the last point he said is we need to be focusing on being more kind. Typically, as, as we've gone through these different fruit of the spirit, I, I start with my first point. I start with saying where the fruit comes from. I said, you know, in the beginning, patience comes from, from pressure. Peace comes from God's presence. Kindness, I saved it for the end where I believe kindness comes from. I believe that kindness comes from thoughtfulness and awareness of the people that are around us. We cannot show kindness if we don't take a moment to look around and see the people next to us, to see the people that are around us. Kindness comes from intentionality. You will miss opportunities to be kind to the people around you if you aren't looking for a need. We as the people of God have to be willing to look beyond ourselves. Remember, crisis magnifies kindness because we should be so focused on ourselves and what we need in protecting ourselves. But when the kindness, the fruit of the Spirit becomes alive in us, we say, I know God's going to protect me. I don't have to be concerned about my provision. What about my neighbor, though? What about the people that God has placed in my life? Am I focusing on them? Is there something kind I can do for them? 
Let's take the random out of random acts of kindness. Let's instead be intentional with the way that we love the people that are around us. Would you stand with me this morning? Before we leave, I wanna take a moment to reflect on the kindness of God. As we sing one last song, would you take this time with God to think about ways that you can show kindness and the people that you can show kindness to? Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.